Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Delilah Rose is an artist originally from Western Australia, now resident in Queensland. She released the album Moxie in 2022. As Delilah Rose and the Gunslingers, she released the EP Good Grief in 2018. She's also the host of the Song Cafe and of Australian songwriting retreats. And I'm sure there are other things we could talk about. Hello, Delilah. Hi, hi, Soph. How are you? I'm great and great to uh, meet you. Uh, we've exchanged many emails. Great to meet you on Zoom and uh talk to you about your many different projects because um, it's, it's very cool, all the stuff you do. But I'm going to start with the Song Cafe because you have a show coming up in Brisbane on the 25th, 25th of January. So please tell us about it. Amazing. Oh, we have um, a great lineup. Georgia Lewin, Lu- Llewellyn, sorry, Sue Ray and Auntie Maggie Walsh are coming to uh, play at the Song Cafe. It is an artist in the round event, so each artist takes a turn in telling a story about the song and and elaborating a little bit more. They might go into process or story or, yeah, um, and it's a First Nations event. So this is um, the Song Cafe is not my idea. It's pinched from the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. And um, it's uh, just going to be for uh, women, First Nations and gender non-conforming um, here in Brisbane. Um, I mean, just not the attendees, anyone can come, but <laughs> those who are on stage, um, yeah. It's for local artists, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and where is this one going to be held? Um, this one, this series is at the Cave Inn in Wollongabba. And because I think I saw on your social media there you had one last year and it might have been a different venue, so you were going to move around venues? Um, No, no, it was at the cave-in as well. Oh, okay. yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so, your yeah. home? That's the home? Yeah, of that's our home, yeah. They've been so, so great to us and it's um, really in alignment with their, um, yeah, just the feel there and their values there, which is just that diversity is should be celebrated and, yeah. Um, giving people a voice who don't usually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Ruth's been so, so great. And, yeah, so I've only held one. This is the second one in the series and um, I'm already booking for the next few, so once a month kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, do people apply or are you curating the selection of artists? A little bit of both, yeah. So um, you can apply through the um, Instagram page. There's just a, a Google form where you go and pop your information in and um, I'll check out your socials and see if, you know, we're a good fit for each other <laughs> and um, and come on down and, and introduce yourself um, as well, you know, like um, that's probably the best way. Well, I think it's that's part of what I would imagine you're, you're trying to create, hoping to create is some community around this song cafe and, of course, yes, if other artists come down, watch the performances, come up and say hi, it may or may not lead to them being in the Song Cafe as performers, but they're going to make some connections they didn't otherwise have. Absolutely. And that's already what happened from the first Song Cafe. Um, I pretty much just chose women that I wanted to meet. Um, I'm I'm an import, uh, fresh import to Brisbane and um, 
just thought that the easiest, quickest way for me to meet people in my community was to run a show. Um, so I have done that and I'm just choosing people that I admire on socials and love their music and, um, yeah, can and that that yeah, like I said, that's that's what's happened from the first one already. Like it, there's nothing else um, in Brisbane that is quite like this currently. Um, so it's good to be able to give give artists the opportunity to to play something like this because it's really cool because the audience listens. Everyone listens. It's not a pub audience. It's a pin drop kind of audience, and it gives people the opportunity to tell not only tell the story but also to um just be with other people in their community and I think as a solo singer songwriter you can often get siloed and feel very alone mm. uh, in our industry so it's good to like look other people in the eye and say oh my gosh it's a bit tricky at the moment isn't it and we can all commiserate and then um feel a whole lot better when we leave to go home mm. And people love to hear about work, I always think. So if the audience members are not singer-songwriters, um, that's, that part's interesting. If the, if, the, if the performers are talking about the process of writing that song and, and the story behind it, I always think that stuff's interesting, well, at least to the audience who's likely to come to that show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's I, I love story. I love listening to people's story and digging into the their process and how how on earth did you come to that? How did you get from Z to A and then from A to Z and now you've got this beautiful crafted piece of deliciousness from the trauma that's happened in your life, you know, like I I just love, I love story. So you said you started the Song Cafe as a way of finding your community in Brisbane. Of course, it's one thing to have the idea. It's another to then execute the idea and then plan the gig. Did you have a background in in planning events like that? Yeah, I've run events for 20 years or something over in Perth. So um, it's not, um, it it was an easy thing for me to do. Um, before, I think growing, I grew up in the wheat belt and um, I find it very easy to go and talk to people and just tell them what would be a great idea. <laughs> I've got an ideas person, so if I'm an ideas person. So it's great to be able to meet some other people in the community who are also ideas people and take a punt. But I think there's that, like my my dad's passed now, but he gave me this beautiful gift and that's just, just, just to have a go. Have a go. What's the worst that could happen? Mm. Um, and I think that's been really great advice for me in in all things. And, you know, not everything's worked. <laughs> Lots of things haven't. <laughs> but but a few things have and they've been really, really great and this is one of them so far. <laughs> I suppose it's always the case that you never know what the things that haven't worked contribute to the things that do work, you know. Yes, there, there is no wasted experience, is there? Like everything just like is another little building block and a little like layer and even, like you say, even if you don't know exactly how that is ever going to feed into what you've what you think you're going to do in the future, mm. it all, it all, they're all building blocks to your humanness mm -hmm. and story. 
Yeah. I love what you said about, you know, you grew up in the wheat belt. So for you, it's just this natural thing to go up and talk to people. Cause I do think I've grew, spent a fair bit of time in the country growing up in particular. And it is that, you know, there's just this facility of communication, which is often, I think if you were an observer and you didn't know what you were looking at, it, it sounds like complete sentences are never used. Like it's just this kind of flow of conversation between people in a country town that you kind of step into the flow and there's not necessarily a start or an end to that sentence. It's always the middle of the sentence, which yes. maybe is a metaphor or a literal thing for stepping into each other's lives when you're in that kind of community. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely different. And I feel like I can always pick the people who have grown up in the country because there's just a different openness mm-hmm. to them and a, and um, I don't know if it's an authenticity or like a, vulnerability because there's definitely some stoic old blokes out in the wheat belt but it's just a a willingness to help yeah I think yeah the sense that you're all in it together actually does really require the community to to pull everything down yeah exactly now what is crap song club (laughs) um I started crap song club when I moved to Brisbane because it's a part of Australian songwriting retreats. Now, my one of my bestest friends, Rose Parker, and I started Australian songwriting retreats over in Perth, and they were physical retreats. And we'd run about, um, oh, gosh, I think we are up to about eight, seven or eight physical retreats. And that was, they were so, so great. But we did call it Australian songwriting retreats because we knew that I was leaving to come to Brisbane. So I haven't quite worked out the next physical side of things, but I thought I'd figure out the online side of things while I was hitting the ground running a little bit and hence the birth of Crap Song Club. And it all came out of Rose and I were also in a band together called The Holy Smoke and our bandy Carly was having a little bit of a mental blockage and she was like, oh, you two write all the songs and like, oh, I just can't write a song. And I was like, just go and write like a crap song. Like you just have to write a crap song, get it out of the way. Like Carly is is not a crap songwriter. Like she is incredible. She was like top of whopper. She's just, she's amazing. Like her ear just blows my mind. Anyway, go and write a crap song, Carly. Okay, okay. Of course, the song she wrote was not crap and it was wonderful and it was the first single off our um, EP. Um, So it all sort of stemmed from there. Just the idea of taking away the expectations and like the perfectionism as a a creator, if you can take that away Mm. and you start with just, well, I'll just throw some spaghetti at the wall and just see what sticks. Yeah. And there being no outcome, there doesn't have to be an outcome. It's just the process of just literally picking up the spaghetti and throwing it and see what happens in that in that doing of, of process and see what happens. Like I wonder and the magic is in that. So I thought let's see if this works online and it, and it has and it's been so great. I think we're like a hundred songs got written last year and just and that was since I've just since I've been here in Brisbane. And it's just been such 
a privilege to watch these people come and share their songs that they've had. They've only had one week to to write from this prompt, and the the depth and the breadth and the spaghetti and the tomato sauce and it's messy and there's like nuggets of gold and but it's also community because these these wonderful humans come together and everyone's a bit nervous and like oh my gosh but they all support each other and they're all there they know that everything's a work in progress and they all they all have to say something nice about the song at the end once you present your song we talk about the song oh okay Maybe we could do this. Maybe we could, hmm, have you thought about, oh, right, yeah, cool, and then the next person will share. So it's an opportunity for people to share but also participate in being an audience member and listening because when you when you hold space for someone, it's so, so important. It's just as important as sharing. Holding space is a part of sharing. So um, it's this beautiful full circle of um, of creativity and sharing ideas and story, again, back to story. Hmm. That was very long-winded, sorry. I get so excited about it, sorry. Yeah, yeah, which is beautiful. You know, passion is, is beautiful and also infectious. Um, and I should point out, and I'll, I'll put links uh, in appropriate places, but there is a, an, an Instagram account for Australian Songwriters Retreat where people can find out about the Crap Song Club. But I was just thinking the permission you give to the writers by saying, oh, it's going to be a crap song, you're also um, giving to the audience to not expect that it's anything other than a crap song, which in turn I would imagine makes the person who's written the song feel like, oh, well, okay, it doesn't matter if they don't like it. But as you said, you know, you, you encourage kindness in the responses. Absolutely, absolutely. And what you said before about building blocks, you know, like you, sometimes you've got to write five crap songs to get to that that gold one, you know, like that like that Moxie, like the album Moxie, I think I wrote 50 songs and only right. 10 of them were on the album. But there were like little like glimmers of diamonds along the way that I could cherry pick amongst the like crap songs yeah. that will, you know, that will never see the light of day, that songs that have had to have done a work in me and then I, I, you know, I don't have to share them with anyone. They're just, they're just for me. But I might use that snippet of melody in mm-hmm. something, yeah. And so they've all that's a beautiful jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, it's a great device, and and it's funny that I don't think it's I've heard of it before. Actually, just that that using the word crap, like it's like crap song, taking that pressure off. It's very liberating and it reminds me actually the very first time I went to Tamworth Country Music Festival, I went as a performer in a country music band and I did not like country music at the time. I was just in a friend's band. I was a huge snob about country music. I was like, oh, no. Um, but I remember getting to the festival and I'd been to a lot of um, music festivals yeah. where everyone's trying to be cool, right? Get to Tamworth. And I thought, oh, I get it. Country music's daggy and everyone here knows it. And therefore, no one is expecting anyone to be cool, which was a similar principle to the Crap Song Club because it just took the pressure off everyone, performers and audience alike. And what has emerged every time I've been there is this joyful experience of really just wanting to be with the music and in the moment, and it's great. So I, you know, I'm not even a songwriter, but Crap Song Club, Crap Song Club sounds like a club I would like to be a member of. Let's put it that way. <laughs> 
so good and you know the expectations are low to begin with so it's um it's a good place to start I feel well I'll be as I said linking it and people can um can have head your way and write their own crap songs but you mentioned Moxie and I do want to talk about Moxie but I'd like to go back to the beginning of your musical life Mm. um because you grew up on country rock apparently Mm. so I'm wondering which artists in particular you grew up on yeah um so on the on the vinyl, the record player that Dad had, uh, Dad listened to a lot of uh, Rolling Stones, early Stones, Beatles, um, the Eagles, lots of the Eagles. My mum loved John Denver and, uh, um, oh, who's the man who sings Sweet Caroline? Neil Diamond, Joe Cocker, um even Santana and ELO, I think ELO was my first concert that I ever went to. Um, so, yeah, lot, lots of late 60s, early 70s is my right. oh, where my heart lies. <laughs> and some big voices in there, which tells me a bit about your own because you've got this really strong, great voice. So for your development as a singer, well, actually, which came first? Did you sing first? Did you play guitar first? Did you write songs first? I I sung and played very badly um, for many years. Um, I grew up in a, a church-going family, so going to church, going listening to music. My dad played keys in the in the church. My mum sang beautiful harmonies. So uh, yeah, just always being around music. There's always a piano in the in the house. We had piano lessons. But I didn't pick up a guitar until I was probably 19 or 20, I think. Mm-hmm. And Dad Dad always played the um, carols by candlelight. That was his thing every year. And he asked me one year if I'd come and accompany him on just a couple of songs, um, which I did, and it was great. And then long story short, we ended up starting a family band and we were called Three Bob and um my dad gave my brother a bass guitar and so we had bass, um, guitar and keys. So we started a cover band and we played that for years and years around the wheat belt. And as um, my dad had done this when he was in his 20s and played in, you know, band, bands around with his mates around the wheat belt. So I did that and sort of cut my teeth doing that really um, mm. and then didn't know what to do with my life. Um, eventually studied some music at TAFE and started an original music, um, started writing mm-hmm. and then um, went away to Europe and stopped doing all that for a bit and got into boys and um, all sorts of mischief. And then just music has always been something that's kept knocking at the door of my heart and um, I just keep coming back to it and until finally I've just given up and I've just, yes, okay, the door is open, come on in. <laughs> um, so it is everything music, everything all the time, music, songs, story, yeah. And I still play guitar for very, very um, averagely, Um but it's okay. I play electric now, so I can just turn it up and put the distortion on, and it's fine. 
<laughs> um, which is perhaps why Moxie took a more rock direction than country direction. So good, great. When you were with the Gunslingers, that was more country direction and then Moxie shifted. But I can hear the lineage from, from the bands you grew up on, but still very much you. So um, you said you had 50 songs from that. You, you had 50 songs from which you chose 10. When did you start writing for it? Or did you actually start writing as a project, thinking I'm going to make an album with it? Just you had all these songs and you thought, I'm going to do something with them. When I finished up with um, Delilah, it was very, very organic. When I finished up with Delilah Rose and the Gunslingers, I knew it was because it needed to be in a different, uh, I was writing with other sounds in mind and I knew that that's where I, was, where I wanted to head. Um, I think I was pregnant with my second child at the time, so I was sort of, I had to wind it back and, have a baby um and of course when when you are pregnant and then when you have a small child it's not a lot of time to do much else so um I spent a lot of time musing and thinking on and what was going to happen next and I and this is like a you know moxie was like a three-year kind of process mm-hmm. and in that I heard a band called Fanny from America and they um, were the first female band to be signed to a major label in the late 60s, which at the time was an incredible, incredible feat. And um, they their, their first single was Ain't That Peculiar um, and it just it was just a, a light bulb moment for me and I was like, oh, right. Not only the sound of the song, but I want an all-female band and and I, I want it to look like this and I want it to sound like this. And so I had a very, very clear idea from the beginning. It just took me a while to get there because I didn't I didn't have any money. I was a uh, stay-at-home mum. <laughs> I was like, right, how do I make this happen? Okay. Grant application, grant application, grant application, um, crowdfunding, crowdfunding, crowdfunding. Right, um, okay, selling merch. Um, right. So just asked asked people, asked people for help. Yeah. And um and that's what I did. And I was reading a book about David Bowie, it's probably the third Bowie book that I was reading, and I wanted to do it the old school way where they they wrote the album, they recorded the album, and then they toured the album. Okay. So I want I wanted to do it that way as well. And it's, wow, it sounds like yeah, I was a bit obsessed actually. So that that was the way that it all kind of panned out. I needed something else that wasn't just brain dead, being uh, mum and nappies and caffeine and nappies and caffeine. <laughs> I think in the lyrics of the album. There is a bit of that rub, that friction between life as a householder and, and a creative life. And there is one song on there, and I forget which one it was, but there's kind of an acknowledgement that, you know, you are this creative being and that's that's the entirety of who you are, but there are these other things going on. Um, so I guess it, it must have been you writing out life to an extent, but also mm-hmm. knowing coming from a place of authenticity that there would be other people who connect with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely... Um... 
I'm very, very open with um, how hard being a parent is. It's so, so tricky. And um, I've had so many people, um, women and men, say, yes, 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 I feel seen, yes. It is very tricky. It is the hardest unpaid work I've ever done, that and being a musician. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, you were talking earlier about songwriting within, you know, and, and performing and everyone want, and people wanting to be seen, needing to be seen, and I think that that works for your audience as well. You know, when you say that people saying they feel seen, part of your job as an artist is to be the person doing the acknowledging of others as well as someone who is who's being acknowledged by your listeners by your audience. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I and I I love that connection when mm. there's one person in the audience who feels like they're the only person in the audience. Right. And um yeah, just being able to tell my story about parenting through rock and roll has been an absolute joy, you know, that and the show, you know, the shows with the all-star ladies of rock were just so fun and ridiculous. And all the women that, that were playing with me in Perth were all mums. They all had kids, um, young kids, you know, like our drummer Jess, she was pregnant when she if you have a look in Bitch Fizz, the video clip, she's pregnant in Bitch Fizz, um, you know, like, and it was just good to be in that space with other women and it's such a, like, you know, as soon as you hit 20, 24 or something, your life is sort of over in the music industry. So it's really great to to be with other women in a you know a similar age, late thirties through to mid forties, who are doing the thing because they love it, and they're gonna keep doing the thing because they love it. And just because you have kids doesn't mean like you're not dead. You just you know you've got a few other priorities, yes. But like if rock and roll, like rock and roll is my lifeblood. Music's my lifeblood. If I if I wasn't doing it, I'd be a terrible mum. Mm. Terrible mum. Now you've had to leave the All Star Ladies of Rock behind in Perth, so I would imagine there's 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 not a band yet in Brisbane. So are these other things you're doing, Crap Song Club and the Song Cafe, these are your. Uh, is are you thinking that you may eventually find out of this community some new people to play with, or are these are just existing for their own sake? All of that, all of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, just meeting new people has been. Um, a part of that. Um, part of me thought I could just pick up where I left off with Moxie and, you know, Moxie's come to the end of its sort of um, marketing cycle, I guess. So I'm sort of in, I'm sort of back to square one and I've been musing again and, um, you know, uh, what's it called when you dream board? No, you. Vision board. Thank you, vision boarding and, yeah, just just and just listening and l listening to where the cultural, you know, the cultural tapestry is and, like, seeing where and what and who and figuring it out a little bit. Um, 
So, and that's been really great. It's different here. Um, so, yeah, just listening. I'm just listening, checking it out. Which is, uh, you know, is a part of your job as an artist to try to read the zeitgeist or anticipate what's going on. Um, not, it's, it's probably more magic than science in a way. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's definitely a gut feel that, um, that um, an intuition as well, you know, that you sort of plug into. And then, you know, there's already been little things that have happened, like I went to see a play and then I met someone who was actually the producer of that play that I'd seen and now we're working together. And But that was completely random, or was it? Like, you know, just little little things like that. And already all of the women that I've met in the industry here and the community here have just been fabulous. And, like, I went to Big Sound, which was great, but um, not really a place for a 44-year-old artist to be on stage but saying that everyone that I met all the women there that I met who were doing what I'm doing were just fabulous and I'm still talking to all of those gals and they've all been very helpful if I've ever needed well all the time when I have all of the questions (laughs) they've been great (laughs) but it should be a place where 44 year old women can be seen on stage you know what I mean like this is the thing it's 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 it music is is part of our culture. Culture is for everyone, all generations, and uh, it is yeah. You know, it's a very weird thing if if we think that the stories stop at twenty four. That there's nothing to say after that age. Yes, I a hundred and twenty thousand percent agree with you. Um, it is, and I I think more and more people are talking about it, which I think is really great. Um, is it Jack River with the baby? Um, I forget. Um, yeah, just it's good to see that older women are still, you know, playing and still, yeah, yeah, not dead yet. you still got a voice. Have a go. Like it's all right to get out there and have a go. Now, as passionate as you are, I imagine there are times when the fire dims a little bit, when it's hard to to. Yeah, either manifest your creativity or keep it going. Are there things you do for yourself to try to reconnect with that creative fire? Yeah, definitely. Um, being a mum, there's a lot of noise. I'm actually an introvert, so um, just learning about need from for myself needing to take myself away from all of the noise all of the time, and and um, allowing myself to yeah just charge my battery and how important that is for me so yeah uh, yoga is really great for for my brain um and resting i love sleep like i i need to have a, a good sleep and hubby is would also agree with me um i and i've created a little space like i have my my space now and it has a little like my little chair and my and what like our, our bedroom but this is my little space and I have all my my books are here so that I can just like come in and sit down and grab my guitar and write even if it's one line to something mm-hmm. I've been working on 
as I'm just as I'm walking past to fold some more laundry or wipe another butt, I can it's still just there if I need it. And I didn't have that in my last house. So this has been really great to have that. Well, as Virginia Woolf says, one should have a room of one's own. Um <laughs> she, she is my girl. <laughs> there you go. I've made the right literary reference. Well, um, I will wrap it up because you have things to do. You have small children and uh, it's it's a Saturday afternoon we're talking, so you know don't have Saturday things to do. But it's been so interesting, motivating, inspiring, wonderful to talk to you, and uh, I hope people get along to the Song Cafe. You may well inspire people in other cities to, to start doing this. So you might have a whole chain of Song Cafes. Yes, yes, do it. Go ahead. Go forth. Prosper, children. And join the Crap Song Club. Now yes. <laughs> Well, in the meantime, they can listen to Moxie and uh, Delilah Rose. What a pleasure it has been to talk to you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.